Howdy, Rob Lee here, and we're going to get back to the truth in this art, but I want to do a little exercise with you. As you know, the truth in this art is an audio experience, so I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time and visualize with me. I'm thrilled to reintroduce you to Forged Eatery, a true gem that captures the essence of farm-to-table dining in Baltimore. At Foraged Eatery, they have mastered the art of sourcing local and seasonal ingredients, resulting in a menu that will leave you in awe. Their commitment to quality and to flavor is simply unmatched. Picture yourself, see it's the visual, picture yourself uh, savoring their mushroom stew, a comforting and aromatic dish that transports you to a world of culinary bliss. The depths of flavor and the carefully selected ingredients will tantalize your taste buds. You can swap out and insert the focaccia, which is heavenly, or the irresistible cornmeal fried happy oysters. Each bite is a celebration of culinary mastery. Forged Eatery goes beyond being simply a restaurant. It's an immersive experience where the menu evolves with the seasons. Each visit promises a new and exciting experience for your taste buds, making every moment unforgettable. So, fellow food fans, fellow food lovers, it's time to discover the magic of Forged Eatery. Let their innovative approach to dining and their passion for locally sourced ingredients transport you to a world of culinary excellence. Don't miss out on an extraordinary dining experience. Plan your visit to Forge Eatery today and let your taste buds revel in the true flavors of the season. It's time to indulge in a gastronomic adventure that will leave you craving for more. For more information, visit ForgedEatery.com. This episode of The Truth in This Art was brought to you by the generous support of the Gutierrez Memorial Fund. Learn more about their mission and their story at GutierrezMemorialFund.com. Also, this season of The Truth in This Art is supported by the Robert W. Deutsch Foundation. Learn more about their mission and their story at RWDFoundation.org. Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee, and I am thrilled to introduce my next guest. Hailing from Baltimore, Maryland, this artist specializes in eye-catching, colorful portraiture, pop media paintings, and digital artwork. Inspired by comics, cartoons, social issues, his childhood, and the soulful tunes of 1990s R&B, his expressive pieces of art aim to grasp what is familiar while reaching for so much more. Please welcome J. Del Negro. Welcome to the podcast. That is, that's great. It's a great name, by the way. Yes. It came from uh, Facebook back in the day where you could put whatever you want as a name. I had a friend who was first name, actual first name. And the last name was no last, as in no last name. So I was like, ooh, that's cool. First, it was El Blanco. But like, let's, let's be real. I'm a little fair skin here. And I was like, I don't want to draw that attention on myself. So I put my black fist in the air and it became Del Negro. And J was literally the letter J to represent my first name, but J Del Negro. So not no relation to Vinny, to use another basketball reference? I was always told like the lineage of my family was in Portugal. So possibly, Mm -hmm. you know. I 
so I'll share this with you because we, we were having a conversation before we got into it. And I'll, you know, my original stage name, because, you know, I'm, a, I'm from the era where you have a stage name, like okay. Shawn Michaels name is not Shawn Michaels. It's like Michael Hickenbottom. Tom Cruise is not Tom Cruise. It's Thomas Maypother the fourth. So it was not a good nickname. It was not a good stage name. It's like Rob Good Times. It is depending on <laughs> the work you do. I changed it very quickly when in, in terms of the podcast space. I was like, yeah. it's just Rob Lee. It's a version of my name. Good, good job. Good job. I like it. <laughs> so let, let's talk a, a bit about your work in a sort of like introductory way. Could you could you share with us like some of those like early points when you realized you were interested in, you know, art, creativity? Like what was what was some of those like early moments where you're like, Hey, I saw this comic when I was younger, or hey, I saw this music video that really popped or this cartoon, but just something that really sticks out from your youth that you kind of look back at. It's like that's an early formative point for me. So I would say I was probably six, seven, and I've always like hung out with older kids. So these kids, to my knowledge, were at least uh, nine, ten, and they were brothers, Malik and Jamal. Malik and Jamal were considered the weird kids in the neighborhood because like they were weird kids but they were immensely talented artists and like they could draw cartoons like a, you could only imagine in 1987 this is like I went in on this cartoon stuff and I used to like hound them all the time because I wanted to learn how to draw these cartoons like they could because like to me they were the pinnacle of what like youth was because they could create anything from their imagination they could just put it on paper make it happen and so I followed them around and hounded them and it was like, give me lessons. Like this was, this was uh, the teach me some moves from the last dragon. Like I was, I was, I was there on them. It, I was, I was demanding of it. And then it kind of worked out where they just took regular line, notebook paper, drew a line down the middle. And on one side, they would work. They would start up with a shape or a line. And then I would, I would follow it on my side. Yeah. And that's how I learned to I don't know if that's how I learned to draw, but that was my first introduction to a lesson around drawing. And then eventually, like I became the art kid, right? To my to my age group. Like yeah. the kids in my class. Like I was I was the I was the kid in my grade who drew. So if you know you wanted a poster or a flyer or a cover for your book report or whatever, like you would come in my direction and I would draw whatever you would ask for. Um and then around like middle school, it flipped a little bit because in the elementary ages, I didn't have any competition. It was just me. Yeah. And no one paid me too much attention except for like my friends. Cause I was just like, that's what we did in our circle. And then in middle school, I had competition because I went to like a feeder school. Um, so there were like other great kids at different things. Like I didn't go there for art. I just went there cause I was a good student, but there were like fantastically talented kids there that did other things. And I had a rival who was my arts nemesis. And like, and I knew like, so the, the thing I believe about myself is like, I've got a good eye and I learned a word recently and I can't get rid of it. Uh, I'll share that in a minute. I've, I've got a good eye. Like I can tell like where talent is yeah. and where it can go. And I've always had this eye. And it was basically three kids in, in our grade that can draw myself, Robert and Michael. Michael was the best out of us. Michael was also like very humble. Robert was the least talented out of us, but had the biggest mouth and most bravado. And Sounds Robert, very familiar. Robert was my, <laughs> he was my arch nemesis. And Robert pushed me more than uh, anyone ever did before. Cause I'm inside, I'm fuming, cause I'm better than this kid, but 
but this kid knows how to speak up for himself. So that's kind of where I became in and out of art. Like after that point, I wasn't, I wasn't really like into it as much. I got into other kid things, but I've always kind of drawn and doodled stuff like that. I almost want to like take off the mask and reveal that I am that Robert from. (laughs) You remember the gentleman we mentioned off, off, off air? Yeah. He looks like he could be related to them as well. So (laughs) it is, it is, is, uh, the coincidence of it all is just like it's really funny yeah because <laughs> we're in the same age group this is gonna be like oh yeah we used to have smoke <laughs> we know <laughs> um and, and what was the, what was the word that you um said you've been amateurish mm. so um sometimes i see things and i just can't put my my finger on like why it's not like compelling whether it's like actual art or just fashion whatever and it's just like what's the word for and I can't figure out and one day someone said amateurish and that word has never left me mm. it mm. it is immediately identifiable as like this is someone who might have a love for what they're doing but they don't know what they're doing just yet so I see a lot of that out there and in seventh sixth grade Robert's stuff was amateurish I just didn't know it that that makes a lot of sense um and uh and I, and I have I have a sub question for this because I was one of those kids that you know, was a drawer, was doodling, doing all of that, that different stuff. And then I had a moment where I applied to an art school and they told me that my, my work was childish. And I was like, I'm literally sitting here drawing full pages of X-Men comics, just freehand. And they're like, eh, superheroes. I was like, I'm 13. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> yeah. uh, and so did you ever get to like, because of drawing and, and, and kind of being there in school and being in that sort of click, you ever get into any like trouble growing up of like, why are you drawing this? Like, what are you drawing? Like, what, why aren't you working on your test? No, because I got other interests. Like I was also like, <laughs> I was influenced by middle school ages, especially like I was influenced by like this, this was, this middle school was an opportunity and it was always sold to me like an opportunity, like no other. And it was diverse. So I'm from Baltimore and I went to school in my neighborhood. I grew up in Cherry Hill. So everybody looked, it was a homogenous school group in Cherry Hill, but yeah. I went to this other middle school across town and it was just everybody. So I wanted to meet all the friends because my influence was like in the movies, these kids do like kid things. So in order to get attention, I told jokes. So I got in trouble for telling jokes, not for the doodling. The doodling was, um, in fact, uh, I'll share this story, sixth grade. Um, I was always told I had a cousin in my class, but I was never told her name. Um, I, I never asked. I'm just like, all right, I got a cousin, whatever. She was in my class. And I found out she was my cousin because she told my mom's cousin about this funniest boy she had ever met. And his name is Jay. Yeah. And then it got back to my mom. And then it was like, oh, that's your cousin. That's how. That That is, it's like, reveal yourself. No, no, no. We're going to go through this back channel sort <laughs> of. This person says this person. Yeah, that's... I, I remember um, in middle school, I had this sort of situation where I wasn't doodling, but I, I had sort of the remnants of using a pencil. I had a, um, I'm, I'm a, not a pacifist, but I'm, I'm a very aware of my size. And even then, and I was like, eh, I'm very patient, you know, and some kid was just popping off and eventually he threw a trash can on me. Oh, and I just remember the remnants of the pencil shavings. I was like, this this is like the confetti of what I work on all day. And, <laughs> and you know, situations happened and situations were, were taken care of. And I remember 
they put um, me in my brother's classroom, who is a loudmouth. Put it this way: it's like Huey and Riley, and I am Huey. Okay. Okay. So my brother is just like, "Yo, my brother just beat up your brother." To the, the <laughs> boy sister who's in his class, and I was like, "Yo, this is wild." I was like, "I felt like sad." I was like, "All been out of shape," and you know, it's just like it's it's just something like those those years are um those those growing up years are very interesting. I was like, I just want to be the quiet kid that's drawing and trying to um read these uh what Scholastic the oh, scholastic wow. Books. Yeah. Wow. I am 38, sir. So <laughs> wow. Yeah. So in, in it, I, I'm reading, you know, so I want to give you a space to sort of, you know, describe like what your work is for those who don't kind of like get it, like, you know, you know post-production all, but those who don't really get it, I see, you know, various influences from, you know, comics to cartoons, social issues. I even see like some nineties R&B in there. So, so talk about that. Cause we're already talking about childhood a bit. So describe your work to the fine folks out there. Uh, I wish I knew, really. Um, I I am I like to think of myself as as uh, someone who can kind of do things, but I don't think of myself as like those things aren't entirely me. It's just a part of it. So when it comes to like painting or or drawing, and it used to be photography and. Um, it used to be printing t-shirts. Like it, it, it's just like stuff, dude. I'm, I'm sorry if it's not inspiring. It's just like stuff It's stuff comes out. Uh, I'll work on a piece and I'll look at it and I'm impressed by it. Cause I'm like, I can't believe I did that. Cause I don't even know how I did that. Yeah. And then I'll try to replicate it. And then I can't, it'll be something else that I don't know how I did. Huh. And in fact, in fact, the way I got into portraiture is through fear. Initially, I started doing uh, pop art because it's simple in terms of what the image is, right? It's pretty much solid colors unless you incorporate some um, solid shapes and colors unless you incorporate some sort of shadow work. And my thing is like, I want the work to be clean. I want the lines to be clean. I, I, I want the, the scale to be correct. I just I just want it to be clean. But it takes a lot of work to get clean pop art. You, you've got to spend time with it. And I did not have the patience to pull it off like I thought it would. Like I was influenced by um, a guy out of D.C., Matt Carrado and Matt Gondick. Right. Those are those those guys use so much vibrance and color in their work. And I was like, ooh, dark, heavy black lines for outlines. Ooh, I want to do, I want to have a pop of explosion of color, recognizable characters. I, I want to take the things I enjoy and just update it and give it a, a now space. But I just wasn't good enough at it. I really wasn't. So I was frustrated and put the the the, the paintbrushes and everything down for a while until I saw a guy, I think his name, I think he goes by Detour 304 out of Colorado. Um, this gentleman uh, does portraiture, mm. but he uses color. He uses color to 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 show tone and light and shadows and um everything you can think of. He does he's a he's a big muralist. He actually did something on I think Charles Street recently for baseball season. Um Charles and North Avenue. I think that's where something happened. It's like a collaborative thing with a local artist, but it's like a kid swinging a bat. Like that's him, if you ever see that. Um but like I saw him do a video of like painting Will Smith on just like a piece of paper. This was the old Will Smith before 
you know, a couple years ago, just regular wheels. I think that the reference was from like um the space movie he did with his son where they crashed on the planet. Oh, after like, Earth. After Earth. Yeah, he just he just painted shapes, right? Just shapes of color and filled it in. And I thought to myself, like, ooh, I can do that. And I've always avoided portraiture because I, I didn't want to fail at it not looking like the person that it's supposed to be. Cause then to me, that's like that's not that's not the art. But the color was was a good idea because I wasn't good at matching color either. Mm. I, I wasn't good at like getting the right tones of skin because like I don't know if you know this, but brown and red and purple are some of the hardest colors to like just blend and make and make cohesive. So and I primarily paint uh black people. So I was in the tribal color and I failed successfully the first time out because it didn't look like the picture that I was referring to, but it did have like the feeling in there. And, and so I tried it again and I failed even more successfully. And then I tried it a third time and then I was successful. And it was just like in a matter of four days, I went from, I don't know if I'm ever going to paint again to I can do this. And then I fell in love with doing portraiture because it gave me the chance to say you are good at this in a way that I've never felt about the art I had done before. Wow. Wow. So, 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 so tell me a little bit more about the, the that failure component. And, and I want to frame it in this way. Now I'm just free jazzing it right now. Just okay. So you know. okay. Because I, I finally, I've watched these fitness videos and things of that nature, and I've had sort of my own instances where I'm doing something that's a little further outside of my depth, and then I learn something from the inevitable failure because it's like it's this new ground. It's like it could succeed, but I'm going to view it in this way. Um, or it's like, I may not be able to push that weight. It's too much for me at this point, but eventually I'll get there. Talk about the importance of sort of those instances where you fail and like what do you what you get from it like i would imagine you're learning from it as you were describing there like failing successfully which i really like the way that was described but tell me like how failure works within sort of your your process and being a, someone who tries different things i think when i fail at like it, it's absolutely like it's just it's a learning experience it's the best teacher out there but with with art and specifically painting like i'm uh paint with acrylics like the failures you can always work on top of or work with. Uh, for instance, like I painted something recently um, where there was a face that I just a face that I had a photo of, and I just wanted to work on it. I just wanted to throw colors in there that don't make sense, and I just wanted the the shading around, you know, the eyes just to show depth to the face, and it's not flat. And the problem was, uh, I toned the canvas red before I started, so the contrast didn't work against the other colors that were in the face. I just kept looking at it and I hated it. And I was just like, this is not it. I need to do something else. So I just masked some areas up just so that they still appear and just painted a whole new portrait on top of it. And now that portrait has so and when you know took the masking off. And now I'm like, that portrait has feeling because yeah. like it's 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 a story and it's layered. So oftentimes with like failure, there's there's a story associated with it within like the muscle memory of doing the work. Mm. Because like with with painting, like you and, and I said before, like I don't remember how I do things, but like I can't explain it, but I do remember. Like I can get back to a point where this yeah. works. So specifically with failure in painting, I always look at it as as like a chance to be better at something and see it in a way I didn't initially see it. Like it won't ever be that piece, 
but I can work it into something just as good. That's that's great. That's great. I you're 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 putting it out. I'm, I'm picking it up. Um, as corny as that that might sound, but I'm definitely on the same page. And yeah, like you know, I I, I tried this thing, and I've mentioned it on here a few different times. And I think it's been about probably seven years. Um, so one of the things I was into when I was was a kid was was painting, right? Um. And I got in trouble for getting uh, paint on my glasses when I was working on a big mural for a school project. You know, black darkness. What? Boy, you know, you're not dot, dot, dot. And I've worn glasses since I was three. So I'm a bespectacled individual. That's just my personality, right? So I dove back into painting probably, it was like maybe 31 or whatever, right? So it had been, you know, 20 years. And um, and, and I'm looking at the paintings. I have them in the the recording studio now. So old art with current art, right? Or current work. And, you know, I have five of them in here and, you know, two other ones. And this this goal for that year was to do one painting every month, you know, and as we talked about before we got started, I'm a volume guy. I'll just. Yeah, do yeah. And, you know, I gave one to my partner, I gave, gave her one that she has she really likes. And it was like astrologically related. And I have one for myself that I like and so on. But the ones that are in the studio, they're here intentionally. And then I'm looking at them and I'm like this is okay work, especially as a person doing interviews with artists. I'm like, yeah, you guys are much more talented than me. You guys are doing that. I, I'm doing this. Give me the microphone. But as I look at the, the the paintings, it's like I can see sort of the feeling that's in them. I can mm-hmm. remember that. And each one has a different thing. And I'm looking at the first one right now that I did. And I was like, I don't know how I did that. I don't know how I blended that. It, it happened. It came out. It's just like I, I was able to express whatever that sort of creative language I was trying to do in that moment on that canvas. And I find the same thing happens as many of us were uh, in high school years. I tried to rap for a while. Notice that pause. (laughs) And uh, I remember it was one time, one of my friends used to make fun. He was like, yeah, you're, you got the punchlines. It's like, it's like Donald Glover's first album, right? It's like Childish Gambino's first album. And I just remember I just like put on a beat and I just started freestyling. And my friend was just like in shock, like, you're really good, actually. And I was like, I could never do this again because I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did it. Yeah. yeah. So it just, it just makes me think of that. And sometimes even with, you know, doing like live shows, as I was talking about a moment ago, when you're stretching sort of the boundaries of what you're doing, like I'm better in sort of this capacity being able to talk you have the uh the the, the glass uh frame of protection <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know in front of folks what have you there's no safety net there's no time to kind of correct yourself and it's public speaking and we all know how that works um but you know i always feel like this is this is trash i did not do well mm-hmm. and people say man that was so great that was amazing that was it's like you didn't see me mess up there no i didn't you didn't mess up anything and it's just something about that so I have, uh, this, this is a snap fact. I have been on TMZ Live like nine times. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I've been on TMZ Live like nine times. Uh, how this happened was, and it's an art-related story here too. How this happened was I responded to a tweet. They sent me a message like, hey, you want to be on TV? And every month since June of last year, they reached out to me and was like, hey, you want to be on TV? Basically commenting on a story they give me, right? It's not free. It's just like 15 seconds, whatever. I talked to the host every now and again, whatever. And I, I used to show it off to my family and friends, like every time, like, look at me, I'm on TV, blah, 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 blah. And 
I'm like so critical of like what I'm doing because I used to write down a script and have an, a notes ready for what I wanted to say because I'm I'm working on a segment and I want to present myself. And then like the last four times, I'm just like, I don't care. I'm not even going to read whatever they say to talk. I'm just going to have something to say. And it's been so great. And so the art related point is like, so I'm sitting here when, when uh, where I'm sitting at now to uh, do TMZ, except my phone's off to the right of me on the wall over here. It's just like art. Yeah. Um, so they can, it's pointing at that wall. Yeah. And so Harvey, the host from TMZ was like, they laughed at whatever I had to say. And he was like, did you paint that? I got to talk about my art in front of 3 million people on a random Tuesday for like 10 or nine seconds. But the failure was I never said my name. I was just Jay from Baltimore. I, um, I go back. I went, I went to City College, right? You know, since since you, since you do, you have to do that thing where you're from Baltimore, you have to say what high school you want to, right? And so I remember upon graduating, you know, it's one of those things where it's supposed to be really huge. And I'm the lurchy kid that's done the rap, the writing. You know, that was another thing I was doing, and you know, some uh, some drawing, but mostly the rap and the writing. And I was really into like wrestling, especially like like ECW and stuff. And I remember okay. I did some goofy pose when I got my diploma and I was like, ah, oh, I'm so mid. And I was like, I wish I could have that one back. It's some of those instances. And I think when you're doing something creative, you, you have a few more of those, especially when you're getting more opportunities to do those things. And, um, you know, I'm not one of those dudes that do a lot of promoting of myself or even, you know, I think I talk about myself enough on this, this podcast, but I don't share my story too often. I think the people that listen to it, they kind of get it. And that's how I knew almost immediately. I was like, no, Jay is this dude. Without, with minimal information, I was like, Jay is this dude. I want to be at a rock with him on this level. Okay. And it, you, you kind of know. You kind of be able to read people. And I've done it, all of the interviews, as you yes. described earlier, all of the interviews. All of them. So I want to step back in. People are going gonna to love this. I want to step back in. Talk Talk a little bit to me about some of the, some of the themes that are showing up. Cause I heard, you know, sort of the pop art stuff that were, that was in there. And I, I again, I'm still the comics, the comics and the cartoons. I, I, I need more of that. Cause you know, I'm a nerd. So I need more of that. So, um, I was the Jim Lee run of X-Men super yes. fan. Uh, I used to go to Jeffy's down the Harbor to get the trading cards and the comics after school. Um, my friends, that that core group of kids I hung out with, they kind of drew or comic nerds or what have you. Um, they switched the image. I was on board for Youngblood, Savage Dragon. Eric Larson was my favorite artist at the time because um, his his work was 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 simple and dynamic, and I could just see it and I believed in it. Um, like I, that that was my window of comics. So whatever that was, ninety to ninety three, like that was. I was all in the comics. X-Men hit TV, greatest show ever. Like, what are we doing here? I know the storylines. I just read this book. Like, I know what's happening. Like, this, this is amazeballs. Um, you know, like Power Rangers as I go from eighth grade to ninth grade. Like, that was like huge. Like the White Ranger saga. Like, what? This is this is like the greatest television that could ever happen. And the same time though, I'm I'm like fighting it because I don't want to be that nerd. I just want to be the cool kid that that hoops and like like everybody knows and like likes and isn't thought of for being like the art nerd. So there was always like 
I, I struggle and I, and I think um, in the works that I do now, especially, especially uh, not necessarily the pop work, but the work that I do now, like the color, the flair, and then the realism, like it's, it's, it's that same like struggle within which is like, no, I want, I want to let you know that like, I'm good with what I'm doing and I'm actually really good at how I'm doing it. And I hope you pay attention because you see something that feels familiar to you, whether it's, it's, it's the face, the posing, the lighting, but I'm really hoping like the color, because like they take motifs like a lot of my paintings like it's dark wing duck like that's that's the color palette like it's dark wing duck like that's just where it starts from there's there's purple purple is the 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 the, the most uh pervasive color in all of my art purple and it's because of dark wing duck because like he he didn't know what he was doing but he was doing the hell out of it the whole time like he was dark wing was the dude just trying to raise a kid. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's just out there trying to make a way and doing the best he could, bumbling and bumbling the whole way through. Heart of gold though. But yeah, like that's really where like the 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 cartoons are now. That that's like the structure of the palette I might use yeah. for a piece. It's just like you go up to what is it like hexcodes.com or something like that and just throw in uh, a combination of colors and it's like, yep, that reminds me of ducktails or whatever and that's going to be the basis for the portraiture like the color the colors in there is based off of some uh childhood memory of mine i mean i think i am that robert jeez it's just like talking to the artist version of what i love it i love it i'm loving this and uh and you've given me new rapid fire questions to ask you now because i am a troll when it comes to okay, the, okay, okay. the back end of it but yeah i i think you know, like I, I did branding for a little bit, um, branding and marketing. That was my first job out of college. And I apply some of those those tactics to it. And it's really corny. It's really simple. But I think when done well, it's like, oh, the people who will get it will get it. And looking at, you know, my logo and all of that stuff, when I do these sort of interviews in different cities, I try to take from the sports iconography of, let's say I'm doing interviews in Philly, right? Obviously, they are a sports town, you yes. know. Baltimore is too, but Philly is definitely a sports town and their major three sports teams have had a lot of success in the last few years. So it's like, okay, it kind of makes sense for me to kind of take maybe my logo and maybe use this as the color palette for these Philly interviews. Maybe that'll cross up. Maybe they'll get it. Or if I'm doing interviews, let me get another football season. Where's their purple and gold after the Ravens and things of that nature. Or if I'm doing anything Orioles related, and I love the Orioles, um, you know, having that sort of color color scheme there. But you know, I think when opportunities present themselves, you know, to kind of like combine different things, it's like, let's play with it. Let's see what we can do. Let's let's try to stretch it out. And hearing that, you know, cartoon references are popping up in your work and in, in some of the most subtle ways, but done expertly. It just I, I, you, I, I've shown my teeth the entire podcast. So, yeah, I, I dig it. And I love Darkwing Duck. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, you don't like puppies. So, you know, you just you're a bad person. It's kind of it. So, so, so talk to me about, um, you know, being an artist here in Baltimore now, like as an adult and doing the work that you're, you're doing now, like what are like, what, what is a, a sort of a win, a sort of challenge of, of being here? Cause it is this sort of newfound awareness. I hear more and more people talking about the arts and culture and someone like yourself, some, someone like you, like myself, different folks have been saying it for years. 
hey, we need to look at these creatives here and look at these artists here. They're doing great work. Check them out. But now people seem to be aware of it. So from your vantage point, what are some of like the wins of being an artist here? And what are some of the challenges being an artist here? Uh, I will speak to the challenges first. And for me, me, myself, personally, the three of us, like we don't know anyone. Right. We are a complete outsider um, from the creative community in Baltimore. So being on the billboard was just like, here's an opportunity for somebody to actually see me in the city. Um, yeah. I've done like some showcases and uh, some exhibitions in different spots like this small. Like I'm, I'm not I'm not grand by any means. I like to think of myself as just a dude who can paint. So if I get an opportunity to 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 show, I'm, yes, I'm on board, whatever. But I don't I don't know the people, right? Uh, just last week, I had a conversation with the um, curator for the Motorhouse, and because I submitted and I got rejected, right? But in in the rejection, they they do aftercare. It was like if you want to talk, we can talk about it. And that conversation was just so vital to me because I just I didn't know, like I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was supposed to write and to say and and speak to specifically so I could be awarded, you know, the, uh, the, 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 what I can't remember what it's called, but, uh, the residency or whatever. Yeah. I, like, I just, I didn't know how to like advocate for myself. And and then she gave me like knowledge. And one thing she said was like, I didn't have any notes about your work. It was just like, I don't think you fit well for this round of it. You know what I mean? Like, but this is what you can speak to to kind of sell yourself more so that you can win. And that was like the first real local conversation I had with like a difference maker in the in the art community. Um and like for like the wins is like I'm an outsider to me anyway. So like right now um I am and this this is the coolest thing in my mind. Uh I'm on with the downtown partnership. I have one of my pieces on the kiosks that are floating around downtown Baltimore. So like my art shows up on 16 different kiosks in the city of Baltimore. Like it rotates however, you know, every three minutes all day for a month and it's just like that is that is so cool and that's because somebody saw my uh, art on the billboard was like you should do this you should submit to this and then it was accepted and i was just like thankful and appreciative and it was just like there's another person locally that i can possibly reach out to and 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 start to uh maybe not even build with but like my name is in a room that it's never been in before yeah. and that's kind of like what's happening for me now as a, as a creative because you know, you you submit and you receive tons of rejection, mm -hmm. tons of it, and and it it wears on you, especially if they're like consecutive. Like I'll, I'll tell this one, uh, Maryland MAP, I think that's the name of it, and they had the triennial submission for all the local jurisdictions or, or what have you, and everybody got to submit art. And so I signed up, like you know, I'm a contributing member and blah 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 blah. Submitted, didn't get accepted. Cool, but the part I hated about it the most was. The very next day, I got an email from them saying, hey, support. Support after you rejected me. And it's just like, what? I wish I can take my money back because that is just like rude, right? Yeah. Like, it, it doesn't feel well. And there wasn't a person. It was just like automated emails or, or what have you. So once, like, there is a personal aspect to it, I feel like that's that's a win and something that could be championed as, like, someone who started later because I was, like, 38 when I started painting. Yeah. And, and like I also feel like the odd man out because I'm like 43 and I'm just like it's a lot of young guns or older people who've been doing them a longer time and I'm like I'm new but I'm not young enough and to really like hang out and then like be in the spaces with it it's, it's just all kinds of middle age crisis stuff going on over here like I just I don't 
I don't know sometimes. No, I, I, I feel you. And thank you. That's, that's very honest. I mean, you, you could just like lean right into it and just put on like the tiny glasses and a big scarf and just start showing up to things. That's, that's, the, that's my art aesthetic, by the way. That's my art guy aesthetic. Tiny glasses, big scarf. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Being very pretentious. Tweed, tweed jacket with the patches mm-hmm. on the elbows. I just feel like the the work of the the Baltimore diaspora, the East Baltimore diaspora, is very bespoke and very baroque and just all of the things. Just just nose up everything. Mm-hmm. But 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 stepping back though, because now I'm just trolling at this point. I definitely a- agree with that sort of notion of the the rejection, like the thing peeling the onion back or peeling the curtain back, is where you know I approach this as I said earlier, like a creative, like an artist, and. You know, I'm doing a lot of stuff. There's a lot of different moving parts. So absolutely. I I remember I got like four rejection responses back in one morning after getting passed up for a promotion at work in Mm. real life. So it's just like, you know, and it's it's all comes like back to back to back. Or this is a thing that that you'll probably relate to maybe. Um, So you you know how invitations work, right? Where someone invites you to a thing. Okay, yeah. It's not, hey, it costs this much. That's an awareness thing. You have put me on a mailing list. It's not an invitation. If you're inviting me to something, that's a, that's sort of like a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, pull up, you know, your ticket's already covered or do this. Here's this sort of VIP, something that's an encouraging thing, not, hey, I'm going to show up to pay for this thing. It feels, and, and sometimes they're sent as a personal thing, but it feels impersonal. It feels like very scripted and it's like i do the same thing but i'm doing it as a personal thing mm-hmm. i'll send an email with all the errors in it all of the stuff hey man pull up man i'm doing this thing it's a free event pull up people don't show up and that's that's what i find to be a challenge like some of the things that, that we try to do like for what i'm doing in this podcast my goal is always how can i connect dots how can I try to like show more people? This is an invitation for folks to check more out into your work and what your work is about and you and maybe something comes from that. And I've seen and I've heard multiple times. Yeah, I heard about this person on your podcast. Now I'm buying work from them. That's how that's gone over the now 600. It's like three people, but over the 600 plus episodes. <laughs> and in it, I, I find like that sort of support isn't always reciprocated you know, for what the nature and what the intent is. I'm not saying anyone needs to listen to, come out and so on, but at a bare minimum, support what's in your best interest. If there are so many people who will pop on, on an interview and so on, the interview is about them. The interview is about their work. You know, it's not the, the TMC move, right? Mm-hmm. And people don't even repost the interview that they're on. It's like, what is that? What's that about? It's, it's like this... I remember going to the Smokers tour years ago and Method Man was on stage. I was there to see Currency, but Method Man came. He was like the headliner. Um, and he'd mentioned something. He called people out. He was just like, yeah, a lot of y'all are too cool to actually enjoy yourselves. He was like, show that you're enjoying this. And then he ate a blunt and then he did a song. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and, but I, and I still have that towel. I got him to sign that towel, by the way, mm-hmm. that he threw out there after, you know, he ate the blunt and kind of dissed these, these, these dudes that would just you know, video in it but not really and enjoying themselves. And it's just like, enjoy the thing that you're into. And I find that like a lot of spots are getting caught as we were talking a little bit earlier about sort of the algorithm, how these things work. And even the sort of notion around does whatever the thing is and, and what we were talking about earlier, 
the work for sake of argument doesn't have feeling attached to it. Mm. And I find like people are pulling, extracting that piece of it because the computer and what the internet or whatever is telling you is so pervasive in that sort of response. It has to have feeling, right? Like put it this way. People restrict sort of certain creative pursuits like dancing, movement art, culinary arts. Those are the ones you can't put the the fakeness in. Mm-hmm. If you eat something, you feel a certain way about it. It's not like you're asking yourself, man, do I feel good about this burger? Like, yo, this burger was slapping. Yes. 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 Now, this this ties with it a little bit. So digital art. <laughs> uh huh. So it's gotten more and more popular. And we we have the AI stuff. We have all of these different things sort of floating around. Like, does that play a role in any way to your like creative process? Like now, as it's become more and more out there and I think creatives and people are trying to do their things to reach a larger audience have to be online, have to be a part of for better, for worse. How does that, if, if at all impacted your process and how you approach your work? So, so far only, only by thought, um, there is a gentleman out of Dallas. I don't know. I can't recall his actual name, but I believe his Instagram name is like Stem and Thorn or something to that effect. Um, he started incorporating digital art into his murals where he would take his concept and then feed it into some sort of like AI template. And then it would, you know, it would illuminate different areas or bring light in places that it hasn't been before. And like lately I'm painting using photos that I've taken as references for my work because like no one's seen these pictures anyway so the art's original it's all original but I'm thinking of incorporating those photos into some sort of digital art I mean uh some sort of uh digital AI feeding system so that I can uh make my art look a little bit different like I just I just want it to have a different angle and then I can try to do something that I haven't done before. Like I'm not, I'm not huge into the digital art space. I respect it. I know it's beyond my limits. Picked up a tablet in Procreate and I am trash. But I, I see the value in in a, in a lot of the work that people do. And honestly, I believe like it's the quickest way to get on if you're trying to sell art is through digital art. Yeah, I think there's I think there's something in there where I think you're right. It shouldn't be a crutch. It can be a mix of what that process is and what it could look like. Um, when I go through and I'm looking at how do I write certain things, I know what I want in there. I, the thinking is coming from me, but sort of the the action at times, whether it be, hey, I want to ask these questions and this is what it is. Can you polish this for me? Oh, yeah. I've sent, I've sent so many emails at work with, with that <laughs> I, I write the email and then I'm like, this is, this is my favorite line. I, I, I literally, this is, this is the uh, prompt business, this up colon. And then I throw in the, the email I write and then it gives me the results. And then I say, all right, condense that to five sentences. And then I still like take out what I want. Cause I don't, yeah, yeah it works. It works. Like it just, that works. For me. I, I do this thing. I'll take like old emails. I'm like, reference this format. <laughs> using this format, write this new email in this way. So I'm referencing myself, which feels a little masturbatory, but still it, it works. And I, I think that's, that's sort of the thing. Like the thinking is still there. 
in whatever the creativity is. I, I do feel at times um, when folks are using it as a crutch or sort of the, the dark side of what it can become, um, just in doing this, like there is enough content out there of me talking. Oh, yes. <laughs> that I could just be replaced. <laughs> the yeah. chat GPT cast. Yeah. Getting to the chat. Um, so <laughs> here's, it's, it wouldn't be good. It would not be good. Um, so here, here's sort of the the last the last question um, and the last real question is I still had rapid fire ones. W- what's next? What's next for you? What are you looking forward to in the next? Let's say. And, and I think sort of like pie in the sky, because you never know what could happen. It could be like, hey, I got TMZ called me back. They brought me on, you know, but <laughs> but what and I said my name this time. Um, what are what are things that are like right there that you're seeing? Like, you know, I would love to do this. This is the opportunity. I can see that happening or projects that you have coming up. Like, you know, I'm sure I'm work here or I'm working with these folks. What's what's coming up? What do you aspire to do in the next year or so? There's nothing coming up because I took a break from even trying to submit. So it's just like, I'm chilling. I'm all right. Um, but there is a project in concept I'm working on um, around uh, young men receiving hugs. Um, I didn't get hugged growing up unless it was from grandma, right? Um, and it, once I got older, even that stopped. So I want to I want to paint a series of uh, images where young boys have been hugged by not figures, but just like the space itself, just to kind of say like, it's safe. You you can feel safe in the space you're in. So, um, and I, and I want to do that because generally like I don't paint large. Um, most of my work is around 20, 24 inches in, in some dimension one way or another. So I want to paint like the three foot by two foot or the four by fives. Like I want to, I want to really push me like I've never pushed me before in, in this particular space. So that's something I have uh in mind and I'm 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 working out and trying to figure out uh what photo references of mine that I'm gonna use or if I need to set something up to take new photos or what have you. And like like ultimately like I just I really just wanna <laughs> I like to say I just want to go to Greece just so I can stand in front of the Coliseum and grab my jump in the B-boy stance. I just want to have my work in one of the local museums that we went to as kids. Like I just want to have a piece in there just to say like I'm 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 cool. I did it. Like it's really like what I do, even from the TMZ to like the LED billboards to anything I've ever accomplished is to like show my sons like you can you can do what you want. Like you don't have to stop. There aren't limitations to this. Like feel safe, feel secure and try. If yeah. you fail, you're gonna learn something from it. It's it's really just all about like inspiring my sons. So I want them proud of dad for all the reasons in the world, all of them. So yeah, it, it's really, it, it really, really is about like inspiring them. That's, that's really great. That's, that's great. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something about it. Like uh, sometimes you got stunned on them fools. Exactly. You got these people I'm like, yo, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> you got to say it like Patrick Mahomes. I am here. You got to do it. <laughs> You know, for for a while, um, you know, you have some of those sort of um, I had like two things running like for a long time. I was running off of spite, 
you know, mm. spice of spice powerful. Mm. Yeah. And and the other one was I'm just trying to impress my my partner and like, yeah, baby, I got all these interviews. You see that? <laughs> Look at it, calm daddy here. Yeah, I got those free tickets, baby. Um, but yeah, it's 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 cool to have sort of those those goals, those sort of stretch goals, and and the project seems interesting because you're you're right. Like, you know, I wasn't getting any hugs when I got older. I'm I'm very like. What you want? What you what you, you want a hug? What you want a hug for? Yeah. And I think, you know, kind of whatever matters, like there was an opportunity that presented itself recently and someone else got it. And I felt like Isaiah Thomas a little bit, if you know what I mean. And I was um, like, yeah. 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 But then my 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 inner Jordan came out. I was like, look, I took it personal. So it is that. And I remember mentioning it to a few folks. I was like, I need to get down to the bottom of this. What okay. happened? Why was not the, why was the call not sent my way? Right. And I just remember just a few folks telling me, you shouldn't worry about that. You're better than that. And so on. You don't need to worry. I was like, no, but that's the thing that I wanted, though. You want what you want. So if you want to grab your junk and grease. I want to be in this this publication. I want to stun on these people because it's something that that matters to me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That That is the exact sentiment, sir. Yeah. So now we, we get to the rapid fire portion. All of the last hour and change that you and I have been on here talking chatting it up realizing that we were probably nemesis back in the um early 90s late 80s i don't know uh so here here's my my four questions don't don't overthink them. oh sure well here's the first one what is your favorite 90s jam uh rex and effect from shaker you get it you get it uh this one i had in mind because it related to one of the colors one of the color palettes you mentioned do you have a favorite 90s cartoon quote or catchphrase? Oh, a little harder. I could say let's get dangerous, but that's not the real answer. It's just the one that pops in frame of mind. Um, uh, it's right, same mindset right now. I yeah, love it. Yeah. Let's get dangerous. That's great. Uh, which which season um, do you enjoy more? And I'm talking about the year and I love a TV show or something. Which, summer, which season? Summer? summer a, You're a summer guy. Hot, blazing bring it because because life is to be lived while the sun is up summer this is this is kind of the first instance where we're on opposite sides i'm a winter guy winter keeps you indoors you can't yeah. experience life when you're trying to stay warm everybody can die no, no. it's just, it's <laughs> no, it, one of those bits where my, where my girl reminds she's like it's because you're 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 um you're from the north I was like, what do you mean? She was like, in the Game of Thrones lore. <laughs> uh, you're from the wall? You're, you're one of those? <laughs> yeah, well, just, uh, I'm, I'm that large, like. <laughs> so here's here's the last one. Here's the last one. And this is the more more serious one, but definitely I wanted to get your, your take on it because it, I think it's one of the themes that shows up in your work. Um, at least I, I read. Uh, what is What would be the social issue, if you will, that like grinds your gears. This doesn't have to be rapid fire, obviously, but what is that social social issue that grinds your gears the most? Like what is the one that just as soon as it's mentioned, you're like, no, I'm going to talk for like 20 minutes on this. It's an internal struggle amongst black people. Like there's a thing that I don't know much about and I also don't understand and it's colorism. Colorism mm -hmm. is one of those things where on, on its face, I get it, but like the the permeating thought that people of a lighter hue 
mm. are aware of what's happening in their like their benefit in society and it's just it's just one of those things like this this is the twitter thing that should it 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 could and should go offline but i think people pile on with colorism in a way just so they don't sound wrong like it, it's the it's a conversation that isn't about feeling but it's about like language it's just the language used when people talk about colorism i'm just like this is this doesn't feel right like the feeling around it just is so it's weird to me like i, I want to understand like i i, I want to connect with what they're saying so that it res but it just does not resonate with me like why is everybody a victim about everything mm. like, why is everybody a victim about every my my victimhood is stronger than yours so so we're, we're gonna do the oppression olympics Thank and you. you get ahead because you and i'm just like what why why us why are we doing this right now I'm going to throw throw this your way, I think, because it was one thing that, that you had mentioned earlier about sort of like not knowing the sort of process and all of that stuff and applying and for grants and all these these sort of different things. Or I find like some folks lead with sort of identity markers to pitch their work versus the work being what it is, whether the work is good, whether it speaks to you and so on. It's different superlatives that are put in front of it, they may not have anything to do with the work. Like if your work is purely from speaking of sort of the black experience or whatever that might look like, or the queer experience, whatever that might look like, and it shows up in your work, 10 on 10, do it. But if it's like there, because it feels like it's an SEO benefit, mm -hmm. or it's a search benefit for it. It feels weird to me. It's like, if I were, and maybe it's because I don't really fit into too many groups or really think of myself in that way. And I'm getting this sort of same thing from you where some of the artist statements that I get from folks at times in, in, in the bios that I get, it's so led with as a black artist of ba 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 from Piscataway, ba ba ba. I'm like, I haven't heard what your work is about yet. And I've been reading for a while. And I've had folks tell me, hey, you should maybe change the description of your podcast to be more inclusive of that. And I was like, that's not what I do, though. And there have been folks who hit me in the DMs. Hey, you seem to be talking to a few too many white people. And I was like, I talked to anyone that I think is interesting. And and it's it's really weird that we're we're doing that. And it feels it feels a little reductive. It feels the whole monolithic conversation is there, but I find like it's more words that people are using, but aren't really saying anything. More words. That is it. You're just saying all the words because we have all this language and you just must use it to prove that you know what you're talking about. But the feeling around whatever you're speaking on just isn't there. It's just like, it's just a language word salad. Like, the, <laughs> why are we doing this? Like, and, why and, are we doing this? and that's the thing, like, you know, I've been told you know, getting advice because, you know, I, I'll, I'll have a conversation with folks and, you know, hey, put more of yourself in there and so on. And I was like, I think there's enough of me in these interviews, you know, as I was touching on earlier. And if one wants to get like, what is Rob about? You listen to the conversation. How were we able to, we just met today. Mm -hmm. How are we able to sit on here, have a conversation and see those sort of aha moments? Because it's like, I'm a real dude. You're a real dude. There you go. And there's sort of this overlap of, 
mid late thirties, early forties from Baltimore, black guys drawing. It's just like certain things that just, uh, yeah, you know that? Yeah. Love rub shaker. Yeah. Doc, Doc, absolutely. Let's get dangerous. <laughs> you got to say it just like that. Like you're talking jive. Um, <laughs> so stupid. So that's kind of it. And I, and I, and I thank you for, for saying that, that, that last piece around sort of the, the social issue um, component. Cause I think it is, is a thing that is a discourse that isn't had. It's like, there's certain things we can't talk about or we can only talk about in a certain way where I, I have a buddy who's light skin dude or what have you. And, you know, I'm like, you know, this is how light skinned guys play basketball. This is how dark skinned guys play basketball. That's actually kind of funny. Yeah. And it's just like being able to take from it. But when it becomes pervasive, I remember, and I had to check, I, had to, I, I got checked and I was like, you know, you're absolutely right. Cause um, I had this thing where someone was like, man, you're really dark. As I was telling you about earlier, right, right. I was like, I don't know if that's true, but fine, go off. And I got caught and I was like, yo, because I was running a bit and I'm going to say it here because I think it's funny. I would go to white coffee shops and ask them to make my coffee the color of different black celebrities. Ooh. Yeah. And I, I would troll in that way. And I remember I was like, yo, which coffee color am I close to? And it's like, ah, oh, why are we having this color colorism conversation? I was like, damn, we are doing it. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do a bit. But actually, it was sort of that conversation that's in the background that I'm not even, I'm just oblivious to. So I don't know. I think it's something that's definitely floating around. And as you touched on earlier about, you know, making browns, you know, that that being a color to work with. And it's something in there. It's something there. Mm -hmm. So with that, I want to I thank you, dude. This was, this was 10 on 10. I'm yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, really, was, really happy about this. This is the one. And um, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the folks where they can check you out on social media, online, website, all that good stuff. The floor is yours. Share whatever you want. Hello, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. Uh, I am Jay Del Negro. You can find me online at jdelnegro.com on the internet. I'm Jay Del Negro anywhere. I also host a podcast, Don't Judge Me. It is nonsense and foolery. Do not come there with your uh, undergarments in a bunch. It's not going to work out for you. Um, I, I really, I just want to uh, thank you for showcasing uh, talented, creative individuals. This is a great discourse uh, from all 6,000 episodes that you've done so far. Um, I'm catching up. It's a lot to catch up on. I'm <laughs> catching up. And like, I really, really appreciate that you invited me on to share a little bit of my story with you. Thank you so much. And I appreciate the kind words. And um, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Jay Del Negro for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Yeah.